On the night before Jesus died, he commanded the disciples to remember him by eating bread and drinking wine. They started doing that in the earliest churches, and this is still an important practice for all Christians. Exactly what is happening here? Let's review the four classic views of Holy Communion on this episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. Hey there, you are listening to Season 1 of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would like to make a Season 2, but I'm not sure. I'm going to pay attention to three things to decide if there's going to be another season. Downloads, feedback, and money. You can encourage Season 2 quicker if you'll do these two things. First, rate and review the podcast on your podcast player. It helps people find the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. And then number two, send me an email with encouragement corrections, suggestions for a new topic, or whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. The Lord's Supper, also known as the Eucharist or Holy Communion, is significant in all forms of Christianity. Throughout history, various theological perspectives have emerged concerning the nature and significance of this sacred ritual. There are a ton of controversies surrounding the Lord's Supper, but today we'll focus on one question. What is happening when we take the Lord's Supper? And why is it so important to us? And we'll focus attention on four classic views that came into sharp relief during the Protestant Reformation. I want to focus there because I'm part of the Western, not the Eastern, church, and I think most of my listeners are too. Furthermore, while theology has progressed past these views, they are still the four that are fundamental to all current Western theology today. That is, some people's beliefs today are more nuanced than I will present here, but they are nuancing from at least one of these classic beliefs. And honestly, these are still the most widely held, even in their classic forms. Full disclosure, I will try to remain as charitable as I can, but I'm going to advocate for the Reformed view, which makes most sense to me. So I don't really want to debate the particular names of each view, and every name has its advantages and drawbacks. So I'm just going to call the four views uh, like this. Number one, the Roman Catholic view. Number two, the Memorialist view. Number three, the Lutheran view. And number four, the Reformed view. So let's take them in order. First, The Roman Catholic view comes from the doctrine of transubstantiation. It holds that during the consecration of the bread and wine by a validly ordained priest, the substance of the elements changes into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. So, when the priest prays for the elements, the bread and the wine, consecrating them to God for this holy purpose, they transform physically into the body and blood of Jesus. While the bread and wine retain their physical appearances as bread and wine, they actually become the true presence and body and blood of Christ, with the substance of his body and his blood being present. According to Catholic theology, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is represented in an unbloody manner during each celebration of the Mass, and the Eucharist becomes a means of participating in this redemptive sacrifice. While I am not Roman Catholic, 
I kind of understand this view. After all, Jesus does say at the Last Supper, this is my body and this is my blood. Uh, Also in John 6, he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So what does it mean to take the Bible seriously, to take it literally, if not this? Well, others actually do disagree. So let's move on to uh, the memorialist view, also known as the Zwinglian view. It takes a symbolic perspective on the Lord's Supper. This is most common in Baptist and non-denominational churches. This view asserts that the bread and the wine are merely symbols representing the body and blood of Christ, and that there and that there is no belief in a real or spiritual presence of Christ in the elements. There's nothing mysterious here at all. Instead, the Lord's Supper is understood primarily as a memorial or a remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It's an object lesson commanded by Christ and the apostles. The focus is on recalling and proclaiming the redemptive work of Christ, emphasizing its significance in the life of the believer and in the community. They say that when Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood, he was speaking metaphorically. Obviously, when the hand of Jesus is holding a piece of bread, the literal physical body of Jesus is holding the symbolic body of Jesus. And he says, this is my body. It's just a symbol. And because it is a symbol, most who hold this view will not call this a sacrament. They prefer the term ordinance or something like that. The word sacrament literally means mystery, and they don't think that anything mysterious is happening, and so they don't like that word. All the three others will refer to the Lord's Supper as a sacrament, a sacred mystery. Okay, let's go on to the third view. The third view is the Lutheran view. Uh, formulated by Martin Luther, and it comes from the doctrine of sacramental union, or sometimes we call it consubstantiation. Lutherans try to find a middle ground between the Roman Catholic and the memorialist views. Lutherans affirm the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, but their understanding differs from transubstantiation. They believe in consubstantiation, asserting that Christ's body and blood are truly present, they would say, quote, in, with, and under end quote, the bread and the wine. While the elements do not undergo any physical change, Lutherans hold that the communicant, the person receiving Christ's body and blood alongside the bread and wine in a spiritual and mysterious union. The main difference between the Lutheran and the Roman Catholic view is this. In the Lutheran view, the bread and wine stay bread and wine. But somehow, mysteriously, the actual body and blood of Jesus is also in, with, and under the bread and wine. The difference between the Lutheran view and the memorialist view is that Lutherans think that something mysterious truly is happening here. The focus is on the personal reception of Christ's presence, forgiveness, and strengthening of faith. Now, I'm not a Lutheran, but I appreciate the attempt to curb what they see and honestly what I see as errors in both the Roman Catholic and memorialist views. So let's go to our fourth uh, view, and that's the Reformed view. It is associated with theologians like John Calvin and emphasizes the spiritual presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper mysteriously. Reformed theology rejects the notions of transubstantiation and consubstantiation. Instead, it teaches that Christ is spiritually present in the sacrament, and the communicants partake of the benefits of his redemptive work through faith. For Reformed believers, Jesus is not physically present at all, 
but he is truly present spiritually and specially. The Lord's Supper is seen as a means of grace where believers are nourished and spiritually refreshed by the power of Christ's presence. The focus is on the believer's response of faith and the inward communion with Christ. This is maybe the most sacramental of all the views, and by that I mean the Reformed view leaves the most room for mystery in the meaning here. The Roman Catholics try to be as specific as possible about what is happening, and they go far beyond Scripture and reason, in my opinion, in saying that every celebration has the literal body, physical body, of Christ present. The memorialists say there is nothing mysterious or miraculous happening at all, and I think that this is an attempt to remove mystery from the supper. Both Roman Catholics and memorialists can say, I know exactly what is happening. They never, or almost never, have to say to someone asking about the meaning of the supper, well, we just don't know about that. Lutherans say that much more often, but they seem to want to preserve something about the physical body of Christ, and honestly, I don't quite understand that. And so the Reformed folks, in my opinion, try to say as much as the Bible says about it, but stop trying to explain things when the Bible stops explaining things. And that leaves many of our questions unanswered. One time, a young couple was visiting my church from a memorialist background, and they asked me, Uh, Later on, when when we were uh, meeting for coffee, they said, what do you mean when you pray for the Lord's Supper and you say, let this bread and wine be for us the body and blood of our Lord, that by eating and drinking we may have life? And so I responded, I mean, whatever the Lord Jesus meant when he said those words, I'm going to try to say it the same way he does and leave it at that. That made sense to them, and they became a big part of our church and dear friends. So, those are the four classic views of the Lord's Supper, namely the Roman Catholic view, the Memorialist view, the Lutheran view, and the Reformed view. Each offers a different perspective on the nature and significance of the sacrament. I think there are true believers in each camp, and at least some of us are wrong, and maybe we're all wrong. Whatever your view, we all celebrate the Lord's Supper at His invitation and His command. We are all reminded of our faith, but more importantly, of his love and his sacrifice for us. And that is always worth our time, our energy, our thoughts, and reflections. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would love to make season two, but I need to make sure that it is worthwhile. So I'm paying attention to three things, downloads, feedback, and money. It costs money to publish a podcast and not a small amount of work. Now, if you'll give me just $5 once, I'll give you your own private podcast link that will have all the episodes from season one without any advertising, plus 10 extra bonus episodes. At various levels, you'll also get a lot of other cool stuff. Now, I'm not looking for a subscription, just a one-time purchase that will help me to know that this podcast has been helpful and that you would like me to make another season. Look for the show notes of this episode to find the link to give money. Podcasts are getting gobbled up by big corporations and conglomerates. Independent podcasters like me need your support. Thanks so much.